and welcome to this week's episode of Seen and Heard, industry updates for the modern dairy family. I'm Melissa Lima, your North Coast and Organic Field Services Rep, and today we have a great episode, a lot of action-packed updates today. First, we'll hear from Tiffany LaMandola, our contract economist with Blimling & Associates, who brings us a market update for the week. Next, our CEO, Anya Radabad, joins us to talk about all the exciting, fun, and crazy things happening in the metropolis of Sacramento this week. And we wrap up the episode with Darby, who shares a little bit of a field rep corner with some important labor reminders for members. Please let us know if you have any questions about the episode. We hope you enjoy it, and we'll jump right in with Tiffany. Hi, I'm Jessica with PG&E. 811 is a free service to keep our community safe. Before you do any digging, PG&E will mark your gas and electric lines so you don't hit them. Call 811 before you dig. To learn more, visit pge.com slash safety. Hi folks, hope you had a great week. It was a little bit of a rough start in our dairy markets uh, to start the week. We saw both class three and class four values kind of sliding steadily lower, Uh, but by midweek some buyers stepped back in and helped support prices some. We closed block cheddar at 237, down two and a quarter for the week. Barrels were off three cents to 234. Uh, Butter clawed it Clawed its back way uh, way back up to two sixty seven fifty, up three quarters of a cent. Non fat end of the week unchanged one seventy five fifty. Uh, the spot cheese prices continue to chop around right around that two thirty seven mark. Uh, supply is reportedly balanced, while the demand side is mixed. Um, we're hearing pretty good reports on the export side. Exports seem to still be running pretty hot. Um, but we are picking up notes around domestic demand or domestic interest starting to slow a bit at these higher price levels, particularly as higher prices are being passed along at both the retail and food service level. Same time, that little bit softer demand seems to be weighing a bit on the butter markets as well. I would say over on the powder sides, um, uncertainty kind of is abounding around milk powder, particularly as China demand seems to have cooled a bit uh, due to the COVID lockdowns, uh, port issues, and potentially, you know, some stockpiles that they're working their way through um, still for this time of year. Also, interest out of Mexico is a little bit quiet. Meanwhile, over on the input side, not a lot of reprieve there with planting season off to the slow start. That risk premium has been added into um, our grain markets. So the cost structure is quite high. Uh, For now, the forward curve on both class three and class four futures are um, offering ability to most likely lock in or protect your costs and potentially a margin. Um, Right now, if you wanna buy some milk price floors, uh, you you can protect a 2291 class three floor and a 2306 class four floor for the third quarter uh, for right around 40 cents a hundred weight. Have any information on ways to um, add some risk management into your portfolio, please feel free to reach out. Yosemite Farm Credit is the farmer's choice for agriculture financing. As a farmer-owned cooperative, we are dedicated to serving our neighbors in the agriculture community with financial products and services tailored to your operation and backed with the relationship you can trust. Whether you're purchasing real estate, making improvements to the dairy, or wanting to purchase or lease equipment, we're here to help our members prosper. Visit our website at yosemitefarmcredit.com to find a branch location nearest you. 
we'd like to welcome back to Seen and Heard, Western United Dairy CEO Anya Radabaugh. Welcome back, Anya. Thanks, Melissa. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. And you're coming to us on the heels of a very busy week in the capital for Jason, you and the team up there. So we thought we'd check in with you about some of the crazy, interesting, fun things that happened this week. And then at the end of that, we have a little bit of exciting news to share that all of these crazy, interesting, fun things have led to for Western United Dairies. So I'll kind of let you take it away, Anya. Thanks, Melissa. I think that Thunderdome is a really good way to describe the capital this week. Uh, everybody's back in session. Um, all the regulatory bodies are finally doing meetings in person again. I know for a lot of us, the pandemic experience has been um, business as usual, but for the capital, it's certainly been uh, a different world up there. So a lot of things are back in person. All the committees are back in person. I think you guys heard me a couple of weeks ago um, following a very exciting ag committee hearing. So a lot of in-person activities have led to a lot more public engagement and it's on like Donkey Kong. <laughs> um, we've had, so, I mean, initial, the, the week started out with uh, really, well, positive news for those of us who are always looking for gifts under the Christmas tree, which is really what politics is about. Um, yeah. If you ever thought for a second that maybe politicians work for the people, I hate to burst your bubble, um, but we, we really do like to look for um, and receive gifts from the tree. Uh, so the latest estimate of California's budget surplus is up to 68 billion with the B dollars, which is over wow. double the estimate. Yeah, over double the estimate that they were projecting in January. So um, it's, uh, you know, a lot of us would like to say, well, maybe they can give some of that money back. That's definitely a part of some of the, the GAN tax limit, which we can talk about in another episode. But at a certain point, if the legislature is somehow magically unable to spend that surplus, uh, they are obligated to give it back to taxpayers, either in a rebate or in a refund. Uh, there are many, many proposals currently on the table for tax rebates, for gas tax rebates, um, pausing at the gas tax. So uh, there's a lot of haggling that's going to be done in this next month, but it kind of kicks off with the traditional um, do si do of the governor issuing a May revise. So about mid-May each year, he will revise his budget estimates, which are of course released in January. He kind of uh, starts off with an initial uh, budget in January and then he revises it in May and sends it to the legislature. And uh, one of the things that happened this week that's and kind of got a lot of the Sacramento press corps talking is the Senate, the California State Senate, decided to um, author their own outline of a budget before the governors may revise. I don't know that that's ever happened before. Yeah, interesting. Um, I'm, <laughs> yeah, it is. It is interesting. It's definitely a um, drawing of the lines. Um, and the good news is, a lot of dairy priorities are included in the Senate's budget. The challenge always for California dairy comes in the assembly, and there's different, really good political reasons for that. But uh, so that kind of really got the week kicked off. Uh, lots of discussions, lots of challenges, which led up to a very unique meeting. Uh, the governor's team and our governor affairs team, myself, had a meeting a couple days ago where we discussed um, our methane request. So we would be um, in a good position right now to remind Western's members uh, that the threat of ARB regulation when it comes to methane is very real. Yeah. We have made phenomenal progress as an industry reducing our manure methane. 
But ARB continues over the last few months and weeks to double down on their misinterpretation of including our enteric emissions as part of our baseline reductions. So this is, um, you know, could be catastrophic if we don't push for as much incentive money as we can on the manure side. Right. Uh, we will fall. Our, we will find ourselves falling short of that forty percent manure goal. So um, we continue to ask for a larger gift from under the Christmas tree to support uh, those methane reduction efforts. And I'm going to give our members just a little bit of food for thought. Uh, this has been discussed pretty uh, well by CDFA and ARB that uh, investing carbon credits, carbon money into dairy methane reduction projects, both dairy digesters and alternative manure practices has been the literal best bang for Californians buck on reducing right. greenhouse gas emissions. And so those targets that we feel we've met very aggressively, um, they're actually, they continue to be, it's the cheapest amount of carbon purchasing that can happen with the best results. And so we have academics, regulators all saying in agreement that this is an incredibly important program. So the science is there uh, and the, the budget is strong. So we're, we're asking for quite a bit more um, from the current January budget where we're doubling that request to $100 million. So um, just there are some ongoing challenges in that space. Uh, the governor's office has been extremely helpful um, and our stakeholders, the California Cattlemen's Association and California Teamsters have been extremely helpful in this partnership. So that's uh, given us quite a bit of direction over the next few weeks, but um, I hope I get to check in with you guys in a couple of weeks after the May Absolutely. revise comes out. Yeah. There's a lot of things, um, you know, ag in general in California is unified around the drought package or at least some kind of meaningful drought response. Um, certainly, I'm sure our members have different opinions about where that uh, drought response would be best served. But uh, short of making new water, um, you're going to see a lot of additional reductions, a lot of additional mandates. And unfortunately for, for our dairy world and our farming agricultural world across the state, not just in the Central Valley these days, um, we're going to see um, a, a fair amount of curtailment orders on the rivers. I know your region's already gotten some on the Russian River. So yeah, it's going to be a really hard summer. Yes, yes. And that little bit of rain we had last week was such a blessing, but certainly, as we all know, not a big cure for the problem, the bigger problem. So we will look forward to more information on that and getting more info out to members. Um, it's it's going to be a tough, long summer, but we're figuring it out as we go. We are. And I've had a lot of really good feedback from our members on uh, my announcement regarding the demand reduction program, also known right. as, as the land flex program. So um, we're hoping that that's going to show itself in this current budget revise, this May revise. Um, and so I'll have a lot more information on that, I hope, in the coming weeks as well. Well, I guess the vegan activists are kind of next on the docket, <laughs> Anya. <laughs> my, our favorite topic. You mean the faux vegan environmental justice causes? Yes. yes, yes. That. So yes. yeah, this is something <laughs> we've talked about a lot in our in our podcast. Um, yeah, we've we've been seeing a steady increase year over year over year of plant-based nutrition bills 
masking themselves as school-based school lunch program bills. Yes. Um, so there have been multiple bills, and I think I've given these stats before. 2016, there were three, you know, let's replace meat and dairy on the menu. In 2018, that jumped to nine. 2019, it jumped to 13. Uh, last year, it was um, up to 16. So this year, we're seeing 18 uh, bills, many of which, keep in mind, are just placeholders or they're just kind of meant to start the conversation. But I have done some long podcasts about uh, AB 558, which essentially incentivizes school districts to replace beef and dairy products uh, with plant-based alternatives. Right. So we have, a, we have quite the road to hoe. Um, that bill did pass the assembly. Uh, barely, and I mean barely, by the fewest votes possible, 42. Okay. So, um, yeah, so we really, we did our job to the extent that we could um, slow it down. Uh, again, we had some really good allies, including the Teamsters on that bill. So the real battle for that bill is in the Senate. But one of the things that Westerns identified as a result of this increasing pressure, um, what you see is a unification of the Plant-Based Foods Association animal rights activist groups and vegan environmental justice causes. So the social justice, environmental justice guys have have locked arms with the anti-animal ag people and the plant-based foods association. What a great collaboration. uh, (laughs) Yeah, it's it's like the devil's pitchfork. I mean, they've got prongs um, and they're very well funded. And which I mentioned in a couple other uh, series is that they are putting up their own activist-based uh, candidates. Definitely. This, is, this yeah. coming election in November is incredibly important. We are losing almost two thirds of our incumbents between the Senate and the assembly due to redistricting. And these folks have identified, um, you know, a, 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 a contract lobbyist is as good as who pays them. So they're, they're arming themselves with lobbyists and PACs. Their PACs are very well funded, uh, mostly by Silicon Valley-based tech groups, and you know, which of course have a stake in the plant-based foods uh, processing arena. So, which is all fine. I mean, you know, an apple is an apple. You got to call a spade a spade. We are what we are as well. Yes. It's just um, so we really wanted to, as a board, as an organization, step up our offense because you can't help but notice that we're constantly defending. And as um, our wise, renowned lobbyists would say, if you're explaining, you're losing. Yeah. So what we did as an organization is we've hired a fantastic new um, nutritionist uh, coming at the recommendation of our California Dairy Council, who cannot lobby, but Western can. Mm-hmm. So we are now going to introduce a, an award-winning registered dietitian and nutritionist into the halls of the Capitol, talking about the nutrition uh, benefits of beef and dairy, and uh, she will be walking the hall starting uh, actually next week as part of our engagement strategy with the Capitol. Uh, her name is Amy Myrtle Miller, and she is California-based. Uh, she did quite a bit of time out in the Midwest, uh, but uh, her expertise in nutrition, and she's been working side by side with the National Dairy Council, um, and of course our California-based Dairy Council is the one that hooked us up with her. Well, we're really excited to put ourselves in this position of just having a constant stream of education, mostly at the staff level, which is where a lot of these bills um, are handled. Uh, and you've got a lot of folks in there that are Gen Z. They've um, got a lot of food ethics on their plate 
and mm-hmm. they've only know to an extent what they've been told, yeah. uh, usually from TikTok. And so we're really trying to get a lot. So we've, we, we will continue to do our on-farm based tour programs that we began two years ago with the California Cattle Council. Um, we're going to double those efforts next year. But this is someone that will really be able to speak without a bias, um, right? And without, um, you know, kind of a conflict of interest here. And we really needed that expert. So Amy is no stranger to public relations. She, um, her company, Farmer's Daughter Consulting, has been around for quite some time. She has been consulting with the California Culinary Institute for a very long time. And uh, she just brings a tremendous amount of expertise. And what I love about her is that she has um, such a good relationship with the California Dairy uh, Council, you know, the Dairy Council of California, excuse me. Um, And she just, she really can pick up the phone and make sure that our messaging is on par with the checkoffs messaging, uh, which of course goes into the broader picture of what CMAB is doing with what, um, you know, NPF and DMI are doing, we all want to make sure that we're consistent with the information that we're giving out. But just having somebody walking the halls of Sacramento every day uh, is, we felt a really good way to spend members' money. Definitely a a big, um, important piece of the puzzle, for sure. Well, and this is is where the attacks are going to continue. I mean, they're they're clearly not slowing down. So we know that the attack on beef and dairy, um, for many good reasons, has been stalled at the environmental level. and it kind of culminated this year in a fantastic display of, um, I, I think, hubris. The environmental justice groups thought that they would get one up on dairy. Um, but <laughs> what, what they did is they actually united all of the regulators and all of the academics into a space saying that methane reduction efforts were like the best bang for your buck on climate change. Yeah. And so now they're, we know and we can see that they're doubling their efforts in this school nutrition space. And... Um, we have a big problem in the assembly in particular because it's just so much more represented by um, urban-based interests that we really we really need to spend a lot more time there. And so I'm really proud of the hire and I'm really proud of the work that I think that this is going to evolve into. Uh, we're going to look at this year, we're going to reflect on it, but if you think about the impact that California policy has on the rest of the nation, if we are to lose this battle, on securing you know, the fight of, of beef and dairy products in the school lunch menu. If we lose any footing there, it is going to spread across the nation like wildfire. Yep. So yep. we have to kill it here and now. And I think that securing dairy products place, particularly over plant-based products in the school lunch program, not only is the best science, but it's going to play out nationally, um, especially if we do our job here. Yeah, that old saying, as California goes, so goes the nation is definitely rings true. And when it comes to giving our kids a healthy school lunch, I think we've got to be, you know, on top of this because it could be so detrimental for so many reasons across the country. Yeah, I think, um, you know, and this is the, this is the wonderful needle that can be thread in this moment is Amy is going to bring a voice to food access Um, And as farmers, uh, it's our job. It is, you know, it's an overused term to say we feed the world, but we certainly feed California. And um, so threading the needle on making sure that as many people not only have, let's just say they want or need um, alternatives, that's fine. 
Maybe they have religious preferences. That's also fine. Uh, we want to make sure we're, the, we're not the party of no, but we have to ensure that the science on nutrition, which of course speaks volumes uh, to, dairy, to dairy products in particular, um, beef as well, yep. we have to make sure that, that's, that that comes through and that the policy is not tainted um, with ideological issues. Yeah, bad science. Well, it just the ideology is so strong. Yes. Um, yeah. Particularly in that, that younger uh, Gen Z, which is why I'm really looking forward to starting our new TikTok campaign. Hopefully, <laughs> we'll get a word out in that. Um, I think next week we'll be able to talk about that in our update. Awesome. Um, we'll definitely be able to talk about it um, in some of our social media spaces. But uh, that generation is the next generation of not just consumers for dairy products, but of buying power. Absolutely. We have to learn to speak their language. Um, so um, I'm really excited about Amy's hire, and I, I certainly encourage our members to reach out if they have questions and maybe, you know, tag along for a day. You guys are always welcome. We would love to have farmers walk with us. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it really it really brings uh, the weight of, of gravity to the situation. It brings realism. Uh, even this week, uh, we had Arlen Groningen up testifying before the ARB. Awesome. You know, about how he's using his digester and how he's using you know, the future to electrify his heavy duty fleet. So these are all like, this is real life experience. Um, and it hopefully will transition the conversation in the capital from one of leakage, which we've talked extensively about, to yeah. one of local investment. Sure. So here's all your, your people. You know, we've, we've been in we've greatly benefited from some of the incentive funding that California's provided. And so we're ready to, to lay down our roots for hopefully a longer period of time. So Definitely. at least that's what, you know, we need to project. Yes. We talk a lot in regulation and I hear this from dairymen a lot is they feel like the cart comes before the horse, the regulations there before the technology catches up. And what's cool about Arlen's dairy and a lot of our dairies now is that the horse is catching up to the cart and we're seeing yeah. what a beneficial tool these digesters and other projects are on dairies, not just for methane reduction, but for so many other things. And so it's kind of cool to be in this moment. Sometimes I think we all look at each other with a sense of real burnout and frustration, but it's also a really exciting time to be in this industry and see all these cool pieces of the puzzle coming together and, you know, how, the nutrition stuff matters to the methane stuff and that matters to this other topic that we talked about. It all kind of works in concert and we're getting there, I think. Yeah, I, I had, um, we've had a lot of robust conversations at the board level as we've transitioned into, you know, what the new Western looks like, which is, you know, it's kind of my thing. Like, I'm always, I'm, al I'm always an advocate of changing the organization. I do not like to sit still. I don't like the board to sit still. And I always want us to think about what's next and how each piece of the puzzle fits in with each other. And um, one of our board was like, well, why don't we just stay in our lane and just focus on Sacramento? And, you know, that I, I totally respect that point of view. But when you start looking at these other things that Sacramento deals with, climate change, EHG, environmental regulations up the wazoo, labor, nutrition, we have to start becoming jacks of all trades. And yet, you know, this whole master of none thing has to go away. We, that's why this expert is, in my opinion, so important um, to carving out the future. But um, yeah, I think you just, you can't just isolate one part of your advocacy because you want those 
elected officials to always pick up the phone. Like, let's say they have a question about dairy pricing. They know who to call. You know, they, they say they have a question about labor on dairies or whatever it is. You want them to associate your faces with anything that they might have a question about. Um, and so, you know, the supply chain crunches have really started to come back up again. We're continuing to have more and more port issues. And so we're getting the calls, uh, which is, is great. But it just, it speaks volumes to why you can't just be focused on one issue. You have to think about all 28, if not 38 at a time. <laughs> Maybe 48. Um, you know, we're, <laughs> I, it's, it's all, it's a lot, but it's all very exciting to see some of this stuff coming together. It's, it's fast paced. We're working through a lot of stuff. I think um, to Anya's point about visiting the Capitol with Amy, if a producer has interest in that, please reach out to your field reps. And we will also try to get Amy onto the podcast. You're going to be able to read a little bit more about her this upcoming week in the update. So um, she's such a talented lady and she has a very impressive resume. And we're just so excited to have her on the team working for our dairymen. Yeah. And I just, as a reminder, you know, our checkoffs are not allowed to lobby and what can which is why this component is so critical to building success on the policy and the political sides of the aisle we have to be as you said we have to be involved in this nutrition stuff this isn't this is the big leagues boys i think so that's right so that's right and so with the help of our pack and some of the political decisions that we've been able to make it's just if the politics doesn't line up with the policy you're going to fail and that goes, it, it, that's, it's, and I, you know, p- people disagree with me all the time, um, it, but that goes back to that line. I said, if you really think the politicians work for the people, it's, it's not about that. It's about the allied gamesmanship of the politics. You have to line that up first. I think Western's been really successful in doing that in California. Um, so now we have the runway to work the policy that we need to keep our guys alive. Well, exciting times, Anya. We Hopefully next week we'll start to quiet down a little, although it sounds like till about mid-May, we're going to be on our toes and running. Um, we'll have you back in a couple of weeks when that budget revise comes out. We'll be interested to follow what's going on with the Senate and their version of the budget and um, how that all comes together um, for you know budget conference and, and figuring out what the final product is going to look like. So thanks again for joining us. I know it's been a long week and happy Friday indeed. I think it's it's about time we call it a week. <laughs> I hope so. I'm sure. I'm sure it's going to be a weekender for for a lot of us, but that's okay. That's that's my pleasure. So yeah, you guys, everyone, have a wonderful weekend, and uh, we'll we'll keep you up to date. Thanks, Anya. Did you know that you can turn your dairy manure into cash? Bennett Environmental is offering above-ground dairy digesters at no cost to you. These systems can also remove nitrates from your lagoons to help you comply with water board regulations. Our proven above-ground technology will generate income for your dairy into the foreseeable future. Because we truck the renewable natural gas off-site, your dairy can profit regardless of your location. Bennett Environmental, turning your wastewater liabilities into sustainable assets. Learn more at bennett-environmental.com. We're wrapping up this week's episode with a couple of questions from the field. We've received another influx of wage and hour and overtime questions recently, so we'd like to remind our listeners that for large employers or employers with 26 or more employees in the year 2022, 
The minimum wage is $15 an hour. The maximum hours per workday at a regular rate is eight. And the maximum hours per work week at a regular rate is 40. For our small employers with 25 or fewer employees, the minimum wage is $14 an hour. The maximum hours per workday at a regular rate is nine and a half. And for the first time, they are being held to a maximum hours per work week at a regular rate, which is 55 hours. If you have questions on how to calculate your overtime based on your maximum hours per work week and maximum hours per day, please reach out to your field representative. We've also received a few questions regarding exempt employees. Remember that exemption requires salary pay that is at least twice the minimum wage and has to include duties that meet a recognized exemption. The primary exemptions are for executive positions such as supervisors, professionals such as lawyers and accountants, and administrative positions like HR or an in-house finance officer. The exempt employees must spend more than half of their time engaged in exempt duties. If you have any questions regarding salaried or exempt employees, also please reach out to your field representative. We'd like to give a big thank you to all our contributors to this week's episode, including our CEO, Anya Radabaugh, as well as our partners over at Blimling. Remember, you can always reach out to us with questions, content, or comments at wud.pod at gmail.com. Melissa can be reached at mlema at wudairies.com. I can be reached at darby at wudairies.com. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite platform and have a great week. While West United Dairies respects the varied views of our podcast guests, please know that views expressed on Seen and Heard may not necessarily reflect the positions of the West United Dairies Board of Directors. Thank you to Western United Dairies generous business sponsors, Gar Bennett, California Dairy Magazine, Farm Credit Alliance, FNR Ag Services, Moss Energy Works, Bennett Environmental, PG&E, and Yosemite Farm Credit. We appreciate our sponsors and thank them for their continued support. If you'd like more information on how to sponsor Western United Dairies or this podcast, please send us an email at info at wudairies.com. That's info at wudairies.com. Thank you.